Thank you for joining us with Ask a Historian. I'm Matthew Wilkinson, historian with Heritage Mississauga. And each week we invite you to send in your questions and we'll explore the fascinating stories of the city of Mississauga together. This week we're going to explore some stories around the origins of a park name and a couple of questions we received on cemeteries and even a ghost story, quite timely at this time of year. Please subscribe to our channels and stay up to date on the activities of Heritage Mississauga and for future episodes of Ask a Historian. Again, keep sending in your questions and we look forward to exploring the fascinating stories of the city of Mississauga each and every week. Hi Matthew, our first question comes from Bob and Bob asks, I've been trying to find out the origins of the name Brookmead, which is used to denote a city park and school. I was asked by my grade one grandson when we had a discussion about notable people in Mississauga. This seems to be a well-kept secret so far. What can we tell Bob about Brookmead? Um, Brookmead Park, uh, a little bit of uncertainty around the name itself, although the park is, was created in 1971 as part of the larger subdivision. The uh, surrounding development, uh, the subdivision, if you will, was part of Air Mills Development Corps, and it was uh, designed and implemented between uh, 1969 and 1972, and the area was referred to as Brookmead. So presumably the park took its name from that little node that was being created by Air Mills Development Corps. Um, Brookmead Park itself, again, it uh, opened in 1971, um, and uh, its name, again, part of the creation from Air Mills Development Corps, but uh, there was a creek that once ran through uh, part of Brookmead Park. Although the creek has since been uh, channelized, rerouted, and is largely underground, you can still catch a glimpse or a portion of the creek, which is visible right in front of Air Mills, uh, secondary, or, sorry, Arendale Secondary School. Uh, the creek was known locally as Governor's Creek, and there's still a portion of it that you can still see in front of the, the secondary school. But a portion of that creek originally ran through what is now part of Brookmead Park. One of the uh, uh, oddities, though, are, are kind of how names get applied to places, and we can only assume that uh, the reference to Brook uh, perhaps itself recalled the creek that once ran through the property. Mead, however, a little bit more uncertain as to how that name was applied. So we don't know for certain where the name came from, although we do know it's in place in 1971. Um, an interesting story that connects uh, Brookmead Park to uh, a, a longer history, if you will, to the community, and particularly the story of an elephant of all things. Um, the park itself was once part of a larger property and the property was no, uh, a one-time home to a, a zoo, a private zoo called Miles Park Farm. A.W. Miles was a Toronto undertaker and he established a country home and a private zoo in Mimico beginning in 1912. In 1936, due to pressure from the Mimico Town Council, A.W. Miles uh, sold his property in Mimico and purchased over 200 acres in Toronto Township, historic Mississauga, um, including a portion of this property. His, his farm was uh, on Fifth Line West, Dundas Street, just west of Arendelle Village. Uh, in 1938, Miles Park Farm, which was also referred to as Miles Farm Park, uh, became one of the most popular recreational uh, and social destinations in uh, all of historic Mississauga. And park animals delighted many visitors. They included llamas, donkeys, there were two favorites named Jenny and Dolly, bears, there were two of them named Bruno and Master Bear, peacocks, two camels, and a monkey, amongst other animals that were, were uh, uh, the public could visit. But by far the most popular resident of the farm was Tootsie the Elephant. Uh, Tootsie originally came from Burma uh, as a baby and was very tame. Uh, 
Uh, she grew to be quite a large elephant, and, and children, uh, we have pictures of children who are taking rides on Tootsie the Elephant. Sadly, a, a devastating fire struck Miles Park Farm on Sunday, February 14th, 1943, and 70 animals were lost in the barn fire, including Tootsie. There's reference to her files of Tootsie's bones being buried on the property and that her funeral was attended by many saddened schoolchildren from the area. Miles Park Farm remained uh, in operation until the early 1950s when it was closed and the property was later sold for development and a major portion of Miles Park Farm became part of uh, the Brookmead development by the Animals Development Corporation. Although we do not know for certain where Tootsie was buried, it is thought that her bones may lie within what is now Brookmead Park. So yes, somewhere on that historic property of which Brookmead Park is a portion, an elephant was buried in 1943. So again, Bob, thank you for your question. Matthew, we have a Halloween-themed question from Gary, and Gary wants to know, is it true that there is a ghost in a tree at the Streetsville Memorial Cemetery? Yes, there is something that connects to the story that you're referring to about uh, a ghost that is supposedly a resident at Streetsville Memorial Cemetery. But first, a little history before we get to the sharing a bit of the ghost story. Timothy Street, after whom Streetsville is named, donated land for a Protestant cemetery on February 24th of 1824, and it was to be used by all Protestant denominations. For many years, the cemetery remained the only burying ground for a wide area. Timothy Street himself is buried in the cemetery. Um, according to the 1856 official survey of Streetsville, the cemetery at that point was known as the Scotch Burying Ground. Later, it became known as St. Andrew's Presbyterian Cemetery and still later as Streetsville Pioneer or Streetsville Memorial Cemetery. The first Presbyterian church in Streetsville was built within the cemetery grounds around 1825, and the original church building was replaced in 1867 uh, with the adjacent St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church, which survives today. So the original church was within the cemetery, is no longer there, but the cemetery itself becomes a, a well-recognized landmark on Queen Street in Streetsville. In 1890, Streetsville Council closed the cemetery and the last burial occurred in 1895. Streetsville Public Cemetery on the other side of the river, uh, accessed off of uh, Main Street slash Bristol Road, it was opened in 1890. Um, and uh, on June 28th of 1959, a new stone gate was erected on the Memorial Cemetery to commemorate uh, its, its uh, connections to the history of the community. Those, those uh, the stone and brick gates are still part of the Memorial Cemetery on Queen Street today. Uh, the cemetery today is maintained by the city of Mississauga and uh, according to burial records or according to, to known records for the cemetery, there are approximately 500 burials in the cemetery but the remaining stones that are, are legible today account for 293 of these burials. So a good portion of the people buried in the cemetery are unmarked today. So to get to the story that you're asking about, the ghost story, it connects to a, a popular early tale of a early settler by the name of Lachlan McLaughlin. Now, how's that for, for, a, for a handle? Uh, the story is that uh, Lachlan McLaughlin, who was a Scottish lad, uh, is reportedly buried in the cemetery, although no cemetery stone survives. And he was one of the first burials in the cemetery. Uh, on April 10th of 1824, an immense log jam uh, consisting of logs and, and, and uh, uh, rafts of staves 
We're going down the Credit River and in a bend just below where Streetsville Dam is located at the south end of Streetsville, a log jam occurred. Uh, Lachlan McLaughlin was one of the most daring log drivers apparently and he accepted the challenge to try and break the log jam. He mounted the churning mass of logs, found the key log and dislodged it with a handspike. With a mighty roar and tumble of logs, the log jam burst and the desperate fight for life began. Unfortunately, Lachlan did not make it. They found his body caught on a small pine tree near the edge of the river, and in his hands, they found a tiny sapling about eight inches long. He probably was trying to pull himself from the river, and, and the, the sapling did not hold his weight. The, the small sapling was planted at the head of his grave in uh, Streetsville Memorial Cemetery, and it later grew into be a mighty tree in the cemetery covering his original grave. When preparing the body for burial in 1824, the story that has been passed down is that they found around his neck a locket of a lovely young girl. Her name was Jessie. In his cabin, they found a bundle of letters, presumably to the same girl. Lachlan had come to Canada to prepare a home. Uh, reportedly, Lachlan was buried with the locket and the letters. The tree is now gone, struck by lightning many, many years ago leaving us to wonder where exactly Lachlan McLaughlin was buried in the cemetery. However, it's said that the spirit of Lachlan McLaughlin continues to haunt the cemetery, sitting in the tree that is no longer there, waiting for perhaps his lost love to come or just to, to see who is visiting the cemetery that day. Sometimes he's said to throw, throw acorns at visitors, while other times he's humming an old song. But remember, his spirit is supposedly up in the air, sitting in the tree that is no longer there. So that's the story that's been passed down. It was recorded in the Streetsville Tweedsmere Histories and has been passed down through the generations over time of the story of Lachlan McLaughlin and the Streetsville Memorial Cemetery. Anyway, Gary, thank you for your question. And, uh, there's lots to see at Streetsville Memorial Cemetery, including a couple of fascinating interpretive plaques that talk not only about the history of the cemetery, but also another plaque that commemorates War of 1812 veterans who were buried in that cemetery. So again, enjoy walking through through history and exploring some of the, 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 uh, the, the names that connect to the historic community of Streetsville. Matthew, our final question comes from Amanda, and Amanda would like to know, what is the history of the little stone church at Cothra Road and Dundas? Uh, one of the most fascinating sites in the uh, in in our city is the historic little stone church at the corner of Cothra and Dundas. So to give you a little bit of background on how the, the church uh, was created, because I, I think that the spirit of this place is uh, such an important part of understanding its story and how it connects to the wider story of the history of the city of Mississauga. There was a lack of formal uh, religious services in historic Mississauga, then known as Toronto Township, particularly in the Dixie and Cooksville areas. And early parishioners uh, would gather at a local tavern. One of those taverns was known as was Cody's Tavern, owned by Philip Cody in 1808. And it was there, Philip's Cody, Philip Cody's Tavern was on the south side of Dundas Street, right at the foot of Cothra Road, kind of in, 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 in that area. Um, and, uh, early residents gathered in 1808 and decided that they would build a chapel. Cody and Moses Teeter donated land across the road from the tavern for a cemetery and church. The first attempt at construction was thwarted when a falling tree broke foreman Absalom Wilcox's leg. Uh, construction again was delayed during the War of 1812, as many able-bodied men had ser were serving with the militia. 
The first log chapel on the site was finally completed in 1816. It is important to note that the cemetery is actually older than the original church. The first burial in the cemetery uh, took place in 1810. Um, the cemetery was, was set aside in 1809 with the intention not only for the cemetery but also the creation of a church. It was agreed that the church would be a home to all three of the Protestant faiths. There was not, each individual denomination did not have enough of a congregation to build their own church. So the, the, the idea, it was a union chapel, not a united church, a union chapel in which the different faiths would come together to, to create a single home that they would share. Um, the Protestant faiths were the Anglicans, Methodists, and Presbyterians. The Methodists would later become part of the United Church of Canada. Um, and it was agreed that those three faiths would use the chapel at different times of the, at different times of the day, making it again a union, not a united church. The congregations reached an agreement for youth for use. The Anglicans worshipped at 9:30 a.m. on Sundays, the Methodists at 2 p.m. on Sundays, and the Presbyterians at 7 p.m. on Sundays. Over time, other congregations in the community also formed, and each came to use the chapel, including, briefly, Baptists, Lutherans, and Congregationalists, each with their own day and time of worship. Um, in the fall of 1836, construction began on a new stone chapel. This is the building that survives today. The opening of the new chapel was delayed by rising political attentions during the war during the rebellion of 1837 and the chapel was officially opened in the spring of 1838. Over its many years of year use, this little stone chapel has been known by many different names, including Fountain Hill, the Indian Chapel, the Stone Church, the Christ Church, Sydenham, and, as we know it today, the Dixie Union Chapel. The front gable of the church, and you'll see it if you visit the property, but we'll show you a picture as well, features a wooden en uh, uh, engraved clock on the, on the, on the front fa facing of the building, reminding parishioners that they are running out of time. I'm uh, not sure if that's a pleasant message or not. Um, sometime prior to 1900, uh, the exterior of the stone chapel was covered in a, a, a white stucco finish. The building, which lost, saw regular service in 1922 with a Baptist congregation, underwent extensive repairs between 1917 and 1925. Of the founding congregations, the Methodists, now part of the United Church, were the first to leave, building the new church of their own in Cooksville in 1844. The Presbyterian congregation built their own church immediately north of the cemetery in 1910. The small Baptist congregation that used the chapel for services, again, they stayed until 1922. And the Anglican Church, also known as the Church of England, built a new church, St. John the Baptist Anglican Church, right next door to the old chapel in 1870. The Anglican Church burned in 1924, and it was replaced by the church that survives today, the, the next door, the Brick Church, uh, St. John the Baptist Anglican Church, in 1926. During the building of the new church, the Anglican congregation met once again in the old chapel, briefly while their new church was being built. From the early 1930s until 1955, St. John the Baptist Anglican Church utilized the old chapel for Sunday school classes, at which time a new church hall was added to their building. Since 1955, it is believed that the old Dixie Union Chapel has only seen occasional use. The deed for the property, which was dated in 1816, although agreed to in 1809, transferred land from Philip Cody and Moses Teeter to three trustees, each representing one of the Protestant faiths, 
The first three trustees were John Silverthorne, Alan Robinette, and Daniel Harris. Uh, established in 1809, again, the cemetery is older than the, the church building itself. Uh, Dixie Union Cemetery is the oldest established cemetery in the city of Mississauga, and it's our city's only uh, uh, um, settlement-era site that predates the War of 1812. The cemetery property was deeded again by, by uh, uh, Philip Cody to trustees, and the first burial occurred in 1810, and that was of three-year-old Philip Harris. It is believed that only about one half of the burials in the cemetery are marked by visible gravestones. Today, the cemetery is cared for by the city of Mississauga. So again, Amanda, thank you for your question. Always a, a fascinating place to wander. If you have a chance to visit Dixie Union Cemetery, it is a marvelous place to visit. Um, and I encourage you to do so and, and wander and wonder on the, the names and the stories of, of, of the people who once called this place home. So again, Amanda, thank you for your question. Thank you for joining us with Ask a Historian. Remember, sending your questions each week to info at heritagemississauga.org, and we look forward to uncovering the stories of our past each week here at Ask a Historian.